Welcome to the first episode of the third season of Designing the Robot Revolution, where we try to make sense of all the AI robotics and automation that is changing our world. Mainly, we want to know how can we make it better for people, business and planet. My name is Jacob Magnell, and the main host and chief producer of this episode, David Griffith-Jones. Today's topic, a discussion about the law and ethics of using AI-generated content. Jacob, we've been getting some questions, two types of questions really relating to legal and ethics that have been coming up. Right. One, outrage from some creatives saying, yep. how is this okay that Midjourney, Dali, ChatGPT, you name your generative AI, are able to just go and steal a load of human creativity and commercialize yep. it? That's the first type of question we've been getting. The second type is from people who are starting to use these tools in their work and are just starting to think, hold on, am I running some risks here using mm-hmm. these generative AI tools? What is the legality? What is the copyright law around using these things? And I think yeah. the first thing we need to just pivot out on, Jacob, is just talk about what copyright is. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, not everyone knows this Uh David actually has some experience when it comes to the law. So you can read the texts, but I don't know. What does that make you? I just want to sort of get into that a little bit because I think that's relevant. I was a trained lawyer, Jacob. I I studied law. I practiced law for a short amount of time, but it was a long time ago now. But I still have a big interest in all things legal. And I'm particularly interested when these worlds come together of AI and law. And I find it a really interesting space. I am kind of happy to go and spend just hours going in depth into these big legislation documents and regulations. And it just kind of is like a warm blanket of familiarity for me. But I I come come out just kind of (laughs) more and more kind of there's more always more questions than answers. I mean, it is such a complex area. And I think one takeaway that everyone should take from this episode is no matter what you sort of hear us say or if you want to use or in any way interact with these things, it's always better to ask a lawyer. This is not advice that we are giving. This is a discussion. Yes, this is this is more an exploratory discussion. Um, but I mean, taking yeah, going back to like what is copyright? Copyright yes. is the exclusive and assignable legal right given to the originator for a fixed number of years to print, publish, film, or record literary, artistic, or musical material. Copyright has been around for a very long time, and it it means that if you are the person who's created a piece of art or a book, you own that. You have the sole right to say who else can use that. Mm. You have the sole right to generate money from it or agree that you can sell that right to other people yeah because you you can say like oh david take this artwork that i've made and make money from it now use it as if it was your own i'm fully if i understand it correctly i can do that yeah so think about the um the musicians who get signed to a record label they're allowing the record label to make money from them to publish it. But the point is you you get control. You get to decide. Mm-hmm. People can't just take your creative work and But you can sign it away, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
And that will come up later. You'll see that some of uh, the generative AI things comes mm-hmm. down to more what are you signing away without realizing Right. But that's the fundamental premise. Creatives, people who create things, own it and, and have the ability to make decisions on how it's used. I've also understood that lately there's been a case in the US, which is always relevant when it comes to these things, uh, that it actually has to be a person, right? And that will become relevant later. Yes, there's this famous monkey case, which says that it has to be human creativity. We'll touch on that later. Okay, cool. So the, the questions in relation to the ethics and legal side of generative AI tools that have started to proliferate now, they come down to two parts. One, I'd say, is about how is this content acquired? We'll call that content in. So they go, they scrape the internet, scrape lots of other material. That's how these tools are getting content in. That's the one side. And then the second side is about content out. So the things that we make with these tools, what's the legal status of those? So we're going to look at both of those in this episode. And intertwined, because law is uh, an extension of culture, we have to talk about the ethics side. And that just makes it more, much more clear. <laughs> yeah, <it does. laughs> this is complex. I'm already, my head is spinning. So uh, let, let's kind you of... You have to guide me through this. <laughs> let's kind of lay down, get straight to the point before we dive deep into this rabbit hole. I think ultimately the short answer for all these questions is... It depends Great. because it depends upon the individual terms of service on the platforms that you're using. Yes, you should be reading those terms and conditions to things that you're signing up to because they make a difference. Second, it depends which country you're in. We're largely going to be talking about the law as relates to the United States and uh, the EU. But there's, there's variations between all the different countries and where you're publishing, so that makes a difference. And more than anything else, I think it's important to remember with copyright, it only becomes a problem when someone challenges your usage, when someone claims that you've published something or that the generative tool is using something. So it's more about what risk you're taking Mm-hmm. The chances of actually someone coming and knocking on your door and saying you've infringed copyright depends who you are. If you're a massive brand and you're running an advertising campaign that's being plastered mm. all over TV and the internet, well, that increases your chances that someone's going right. to see something and knock on your door. If you're a small little coffee shop who has an internal strategy document that has something, it's very low chance that anyone's going to see it. So it's a lot lower risk. So Right. It, co- it but, comes down to a question of risk. And then in parallel to that, you have that aspect of, is this the right thing to do? I mean, decidedly, that decidedly, it's less okay in my mind, but that differs from person to person to put, it's more okay to put something in your internal strategy document or me as a private citizen having something just to like make something a little nicer and then comparing that to actually broadcasting like as soon as i put something out on linkedin i'm putting a bit of risk yeah and it becomes more questionable if i've stolen or copied or whatever label you want to put on that activity it's more questionable no doubt if you broadcast it right and i think that touches on the ethical part what what are you as a person or as a brand 
comfortable with in terms of when you use other people's creativity. But anyway, we'll come to some kind of key takeaways, practical Mm -hmm. takeaways for people who are looking to use these kind of generative AI tools in their work at the end. But if we, if we, if we go back to this division between there is two sides to it, there's content in and content out. Right. So let's start with content in. The founder of Mid Journey, David Holtz, mm-hmm. back in September 2022, he openly admitted that the data sets that are used to train the platform contains work from artists without their approval or consent. And the artists had no way of opting in or out of it being used. And that's interesting because like, when I started to look into this or when you introduced me to this topic, um, my my default setting was kind of, well, in all likelihood of taking it from Instagram and Instagram have sold that and we've somewhere signed away all our rights to everything that we've ever done through Instagram. Yeah. But his statement there it kind of upends that yeah. a little bit and makes it much more complicated. Yeah. No, they just went and crawled. There's this thing called the common crawl, which is essentially a big scrape of the entire internet, Mm -hmm. which includes all sorts of images. It includes Mm. images from things like Getty and includes images that just individual people have put up on the internet somewhere on their blog. So there is no doubt that the data into these generative AI tools uses content that the owner has not given their consent to. They admit this. How do they def- defend that? Like- well, it, well, it's, this is where it's a bit kind of... The, it, it's all started because there's different rules for whether you're using something for commercial purposes or for academic purposes. And if you look at OpenAI, they started not as a commercial purpose when they were doing the, the uh, initial training of their model. Convenient. Yeah. So in theory... If you want to use the content from the common crawl for commercial purposes, Mm -hmm. you should obtain permission from the copyright holders whose content is included in the data set. (laughs) I I don't know that the quality of whatever I've put up there, I know that I've put up some stuff, original content. I don't, I I haven't been contacted. (laughs) There is actually a tool that enables people to kind of put in their images and go and use and go and check to see whether their content has been used in things like OpenAI and Midjourney. So there are kind of backward-facing tools. So you right. can go and search and see. Uh, they're not entirely accurate, though. Mm. The, the other problem with taking content from uh, Common Crawl is that it can contain maybe personal information, like names and addresses. Oh, or likenesses of people's faces, which could be a violation of privacy rights. Right. And OpenAI has taken steps to address these issues by mm-hmm. implementing measures such as data de-identification, data scrubbing, and data sampling, which helps reduce the risks around personal data breaches. But this is all relatively new, and we haven't had the challenges come through yet. Um, mm-hmm. So y- you... you the, the founders of these tools have taken a risk. And the people who are using these tools are also taking a risk. Because if you use the tool to generate something, and an example I've seen somewhere is that, oh, it just so happens that the um, mid-journey, let's use as an example, creates something that looks a little bit like Mickey Mouse. And you then publish that on your blog or your company website. 
Disney are going to come after you. So yeah, that is a kind of high level view of the the issues with how these generative AI tools have mm-hmm. trained their models. And th- there is no doubt they've admitted it themselves. It is based on copyrighted material. So there are challenges going on. I mean, I've seen some cases where artists are pissed. Like they are using our images and they are essentially stealing our money. Um, but it's hard sometimes to make that connection it is, but Out, in some outright. Ca- it is, but in other ones, it's not. So the the right. there's a prominent law case being spoken about still in the courts now, which is Getty Images against mm-hmm. Stable Diffusion, who are an AI art generator, and they were yeah. actually able to see the Getty Images watermark coming up in some of the Stable Diffusion oh, images. No. It was so obvious that they'd used it because the images actually had Getty Images or a similar w- watermark on mm. there. So we'll see what the impact of these cases are, whether it forces the tools to take a more proactive approach to mm-hmm. um, getting consent from copyright holders, whether it limits the the amount of um, content that they can use to train their data models. Right. It will be, we'll find out. There's talk now that what will happen is that they will just strike more commercial deals. So they'll actually have to pay Getty Images to crawl theirs or whatever. Right. And I, what I, what what I take away from that is how little, how extremely minuscule that is going to help the struggling artist yeah. in the world. Absolutely. Like the the effect on the artist in that case, like yeah. they pay if they pay stock image companies more money, uh, that is not going to help a photographer. Yeah, they're going to get pennies, aren't they? Yeah, at most. Yeah. So that's the kind of content inside at a high level. Then you've got the content out. So this mm-hmm. was some of the questions we got about, like, is it okay for me to use a mid-journey image in my corporate PowerPoint deck, for example? And now we're talking about legal okay rather than Now we're than talking ethical. about legal okay, but we'll right. kind of, okay. it does bleed mm-hmm. into the ethical side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the first question is, if you use something like mid-journey or, or DALI to mm-hmm. create an image... Who has the copyright? Who owns the copyright of what you're creating in there? Yeah. And this is where, as we mentioned before, this case with the monkey named Naruto came came in. So Mm -hmm. you might well have seen it. There was this adorable selfie. Cute photo. (laughs) That a monkey had taken of themselves. And this went to court to find out because someone used that picture and then the owner or who thought it was the the owner of that image kind of went and said, no, you can't use that image because I, I own it. I'm the photographer. I own that picture. Mm-hmm. And what the case found was that only works created by a human can be copyrighted. This is under US right. law. Mm-hmm. So that excludes photographs and artwork created by animals or by machines with and this is the crucial word without machines, human in- you say yeah <laughs> without human intervention right so in that case they looked at it they said no it's a very cute photo but yeah. it's a monkey who took it there was no human intervention therefore yeah, yeah, yeah. no one has copyright in that so actually anyone can use that photograph yeah. and to me the monkeys in our story is kind of the programmers. Well, it's the program. It's the program, 
and but then okay i'm gonna let you continue because so I, it, I, it, yeah. it's these words human intervention that come right. in so and, and another way words that used in the cases is human authorship hmm. so non-human expression is ineligible for copyright protection to be eligible for copyright protection there must be evidence that the work is the product of human authorship now looking at something like mid journey or dali mm -hmm. to what extent is writing the prompts human authorship to what extent is the code that makes that generates the ai human authorship right. and that's where it's murky like it, there isn't a yeah. clear answer but but it was still decided in the favor of the cameraman no the, it was there is no copyright in this so there is no anyone copyright in can this. go and use this picture of the monkey because it is public domain no one owns it because no human was found to author it oh it's a nice image i can use it however i want you can use it however you want you can go and make posters of it and sell it because no one owns it and okay. that's the point cool and this is the level of service that you only get at designing the robot revolution. Now that we've given you an idea for your next startup, monkey self-portrait posters, uh, maybe you want to do us a favor. Please go and rate us on your favorite podcast app or tell a friend about it. That's actually the best thing that you can do to spread the word. Thank you. You can find a link to the monkey self-portrait in the show notes. And this comes into the into what we talk about with the terms and conditions with Midjourney shortly, because depending on which plan you're using, the way Midjourney mid explicitly say is that you're giving Midjourney a complete right to do with it whatever they want to do as well. Mm -hmm. But that depends on what plan you're using. So that comes down to the terms and conditions. Right. But Midjourney, if I have a paid plan. In my mind, they're unlikely to go and sell my generated images because that would be bad business for them. Yes. Just going back to who is the creator. So it, it is open for debate. You can There, there is no clear answer. There mm -hmm. are The current arguments say that, well, you can make a strong argument that AI is simply a tool and that the human who's directing the AI should be able to claim ownership of the output. So, right. for example, a graphic artist can claim artwork made through the use of drawing software, can claim that because they've made the prompt. Yes. But if you look at something like ChatGPT, for example, where the operator's control of the output is more limited, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shorter prompt that then leads to kind of a lot more, kind of mm. the, the, the tool is doing more. It's, it's can less I challenge that? Well, you can, but not yet. All because, right. <laughs> because yeah, I agree, Jacob. I think what you're going to say is you can make it very, you can be very directive with ChatGPT yeah. and, and do it, but also you can do a very minimal, you could say, write me a novel about right. an 18th century. But I agree. Yeah. But that's, again, where the it's a grey line. But where the output is less connected to the input, mm -hmm. then there's a stronger argument that the output is controlled more by the creator's of the software than the operator. So it's this spectrum. Like, to okay. what extent is it more sitting with the prompt person or is it more sitting with the software? And that depends. It's a gray area. It's a kind of spectrum between how closely connected the output is to the... Right. 
And that depends on how much control the software has given us. Yeah. And I, I, I totally fall into the category of believing that if I've made the prompt and I, I bring sort of my intent to the whole process, then I should. But I can definitely see why this is contentious. And yeah, and I, I, I don't because yeah. I think you, you the yeah, there are exceptions. But for me, generally, you make a prompt. Mm-hmm. If you're making a prompt, and it could be a very specific prompt, mm-hmm. like three sentences are very specific. But then the image generating tool is using a scrape of the internet of actual artists' creative work to piece together what you then end up with. Like, I, I think ethically, the original creators of the work that was scraped, they are ethically, I think, more entitled to ownership than someone who's just coming up with a couple of sentences and then you're having a visual creation. I think... If the technology was such that it took parts of images and stitched them together based on my prompt, that would be a problem for me. I would be very, very skeptical to the uh, ethical use of that kind of tool to claim that I have done something. However, just because of how the technology works, where it actually breaks down images into noise and then trains by recreating that image from the noise again. And then it takes raw noise with no previous image behind it. And it builds up something based on my prompt. That to me is eerily similar to how a child learns from copying Yeah, things. it is. It is similar. And for me, that makes it so that I feel... Because for me, and this is my, uh, this is hard because this is my feeling. This is my, how I understand it. And, but for me, that makes it so that this is actually something that has never been created before. This is new. See, I I, I just, I disagree. I really don't. And it all comes down to this point of how much you feel the breaking down of it into what you describe as noise is abstraction. Yeah. for me, it's just about that it they've ground it down into kind of tiny little elements, mm-hmm. and you could and but it's still ground down from those original artists and the the example of like yes, that's how children you know a child could go and uh try and mimic a Rembrandt and they can mm-hmm. try and copy it, but it they will n- not be able to get it to look like exactly like a Rembrandt, but this software can get it to look exactly like a Rembrandt. Or to use a different example, you know, there's this David Guetta has released a sample of music using a, vo- a voice that sounds exactly like Eminem. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's been trained on actual Eminem content and it sounds just like him. And now David Guetta is able to just go and use Eminem's voice. But to use your argument, okay, he's, yeah. you know, it's not based on Eminem's voice, David. It, it's, it's noise that's broken down into kind of patterns and then reconstructed. But it ends up sounding exactly like Eminem, and it's it is based on Eminem's voice. So how can that be fair? But I think we have a different problem here. For me, this is a, a separate issue. For me, this is the art of using that tool to copy something 
like that intent is different from using if you break all, down all the images of on the internet in with the purpose of creating something new for me that's fine that's 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 a fabulous thing to do if i break down all the images on the internet in order to learn how to copy like david's art style and then not only the art style because the art style is fine still for me but if i go and i recreate what you've done that becomes a problem for me if i take the like deep fake technology and i create a david and i make you say things that's a big problem for many other reasons just than just your likeness of course but that action of copying something is what really triggers me and makes me like turn flip uh, that that that's not okay. Yeah. But if, yeah. so It's a spectrum, isn't it? I think but it ultimately comes down to the same thing. It just depends where you're drawing your boundaries. Because if you say, I'm just going to scrape the entirety of the Getty image database. Mm-hmm. And I'm going rep- to be able to replicate any of the images that Getty have on their image database. If mm-hmm. you define Getty's entire database as a collection and you're mimicking the what people can go to Getty for, even though it has tens of hundreds of thousands of different producers. It, that's mm. just somewhere else in the spectrum, somewhere between yeah. scraping the internet and yeah. scraping just Getty and just scraping Eminem. So, but this is, this is where it's just that the law just hasn't caught up. And you'll see that the EU have a AI act incoming which is trying to create a framework for this of how to use AI that's mm. flexible enough and adaptable to a rapid pace of change yeah. um, to ensure that things, the AI systems are used in a way that's fair and safe and trustworthy and respects fundamental rights. But the law is, is behind on this. So right now, the, mm. the kind of best indications we can get are going and looking at the terms and conditions because um, then at least you get to hear what Midjourney think the situation is, what Dali think it is. And so Midjourney, and bear in mind these terms and conditions can change at any time. <laughs> but essentially Midjourney say, you, the prompt writer, you own the assets mm. you create, with some exceptions. Right. But you, by default, give Midjourney a, a license to basically do anything they want with it. Right. And you're including imi- practicing new algorithms on that image, yeah. right? Yeah. But there are private plans which can kind of get around that and you could mm-hmm. you could kind of have a different deal there, but the general rule with Midjourney is it's um you own it but you kind of sign away all rights to it effectively. Right. But that's only from the perspective of Midjourney, right? And they have a very yeah. specific interest in in this work exactly. be belonging to the 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 prompt writers because that's how they're going to make their money later. Yeah. Uh, and that's the same thing with me. I I have a vested interest in the law interpreting how to do these things in the way that I want to use it, right? So yeah. It is a very, 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 like, yeah, it's complicated and all the gray scales. So we've touched on several of the gray scales here and we've mm-hmm. looked at some of the different arguments and why it is so complex. We will see court cases, legislation coming in the next few years, which will bring clarity to this, but it will bring clarity 
in specific jurisdictions. So what the mm. EU do might be different to what the United States do, for example. And there'll be there'll be more legal questions. So while some clarity will come, there'll be an equivalent of the monkey yeah. case, which brings some sort of clarity to specific commercial use of a mid-journey icon, for example. There'll be more legal questions. Mm. So in this uncertain in this uncertainty, what can we as designers, as people wanting to make the most of these tools, mm-hmm. do? First of all, as you might have got from this whole tone, <laughs> you've got to tread with caution. Yeah. The law is unclear and it comes down to risk appetite. If yeah. you are being risk averse, which I'd suggest you should be if you're working mm-hmm. for a big corporation and there's any chance that what you're mm-hmm. creating could end up being published out to millions of eyeballs. Right. I'd suggest to be very risk averse and be conscious of, of not using images commercially or in your work for a company. Yeah. But that comes down to risk appetite. And I think also what it is you're doing is I then the transparency aspect that you touched upon earlier i think that is a really good piece of advice i'm i'm considering writing sort of a like this is how i use ai tools in my creative process and i yeah. just put put that up on the web somewhere and i can link to that whenever i do anything and if mm. people are curious they can sort of go there and see my process yeah uh, i think that might be one way to just also from an ethical standpoint yeah. like I, I don't want to hide that i'm not a great sketch artist right mm. I, I i don't have a need for that i i i'm i can stand for my mediocrity in in like midjourney is better at making images than i am that, that's just a fact and it's trans transparency and right now there aren't the tools quite yet there yet but certainly mm. we know that chat gpt are working on this watermarking technology right whereby they're going to have patterns in the text that's being produced that a human reader can't notice it, but it will hit certain patterns so that you will be able to use a tool to recognize this was made by ChatGPT. Now, what happens when you, to what, how much do you have to edit something to obscure that code? Mm. Bigger question. But for now, I think do, the recommendation is what we said there, keep keep a log keep a track of how you're creating this content yeah. and have it recorded somewhere so that you know there is a kind of traceability to what you're creating and publishing yeah the the third point so first trip caution second track and make a note of what you're doing third don't expect to be able to protect your work. It might well be that your work is protectable. I'm not saying it can't be, but I think you should go into using these tools with the expectation that actually someone else could just take it and use yeah. it. There'll be some other, some clause in the terms and conditions or some mm. other reason why you cannot protect your work and stop someone else using it. Right. I, I think there's one thing that I would like to add uh, just as this little side note, I saw somewhere someone trying to um, advocate for using the law in, in the US to to limit the use of these tools and this technology uh, and make it so that you actually can't really 
legally use this. I think that's very unlikely. I think it's unlikely that any government is going to say, no, we are not going to pursue this as a as a nation. And because the risk is you fall, actually fall, this is so transformative that you actually risk falling behind if you don't have the capabilities to use these tools. Um, the, the second thing is that it's very hard to put this genie back in the bottle. I don't think you can because it's not like all of these machine learning models are centrally located in some big like server hall, you can actually download uh, certain machine learning models and you can train them on your own graphics card in your basement. And you can create like replicas of David's childhood paintings, if that's what you want. Like that's complete. As long as you have that material, you, you can do that. It's not really hard. So I think we have to be forward-looking, but careful here. I think legislators needs to be, they need to think hard about how to handle this. I completely agree, Jacob, because I think that's my final point, that despite everything I've said about tread carefully and um, don't expect to be able to protect, if, if you live your creative life, your work life, concerned with the ifs and whats and maybes of, of the law, Mm. You wouldn't do anything. No, you you wouldn't leave your house metaphorically or literally. Right. Yeah. So uh, you're not going to be able to be at the front of innovation, of adding value, of using these new tools mm. if you're so scared of the potential risks. So I think you just have to march forward, not in knowledge of the uncertainty and in greater yeah. knowledge of of the risks, but keep. Especially if you're playing with the tools to learn. Yeah. you are not alone in this process. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many people using Midjourney to to learn how to create images through AI so that when the opportunity arises or when legal legality sort of clears up, you, you're at the forefront of using these tools. And I think that's never going to be a bad idea. No. So that is the flyover, Jacob. Um, we're going to refer in the show notes to a couple of podcasts uh, and material that goes into a lot more depth about this area. There's particularly a really good yeah. um, podcast by Legal Eagle, who spends so good goes into a lot more depth on these things. So we'll refer to that and some other material. Please keep coming with your questions. This episode has been prompted by the questions we've been getting. So. Please so keep asking were, us questions. If you and I were a machine learning model, then those writers of questions would be the, the, the IP holders for this episode they, of the they podcast. They can make a claim, Jacob. They can uh, make I a claim. So all they have to do now is train an AI on our voices so that they can do that and then have us. We, they can just cut us out of the loop. That'd be quite nice. We can just relax then. <laughs> This was fabulous. Thank you, David. Thank you, Jacob. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you for listening to this first episode of the third season. I hope that you are as excited as we are. If you want to get in touch with us, check us out on LinkedIn. 